0: The copy of the writing for a commandment to be given in every province was published unto all people, and that the Jews should be ready against that day to avenge themselves on their enemies. So the posts that rode upon mules and camels went out, being hastened and pressed on by the king's commandment, and the decree was given at Shushan the palace. Verse 17, And in every province and in every city whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came. The Jews had joy and gladness, a feast and a good day, and many of the people of the land became Jews, for the fear of the Jews fell upon them. Now that's a miracle. That's a huge miracle. For some of you who don't know, the king originally decided to wipe out the Jewish people. But Queen Esther had the courage, and the courage that she said was, if I please you, and if I find favor in your sight, and if I do right by you, then change the history of my people. Let them live. And literally, that request changed all of history. If you read the entire passage, it was spread out through all the provinces and the land. And thanks to Esther, you have the longest verse in your Bible. (laughs) So she literally changed biblical history. But it spread throughout all the world and the provinces. And then when we look at verse 13 to 14 and 17... It rescued her people, and not only that, the fear of the Lord fell upon the Persian Empire, that many people started to convert to Judaism itself. That's a huge miracle, and that's only the miracle of God. And how that history was changed was by a mere woman. And I believe this is that the church is likened to the bride of Christ, a mere woman, And I want to challenge you, and especially you mothers, this sermon applies to everybody, but especially you ladies, because it's more directed towards you, is that a mere woman can change history if, as Esther mentioned at verse 5, she pleases the king of glory. If she finds favor in the king's sight. And if she does right by him, then the king would grant the woman's request and change her history. I strongly believe that the history of our church can change by a mere woman, by a mere individual. I do not believe in worldwide revival. I do not believe that we can over come the current government sister system no matter how much we try to do an uprising because this is the Antichrist kingdom, the devil's domain. We had a previous president who tried to clean up the swamp but you saw how the devil, he, if he's in charge, he can overturn the tide very easily. So this is his kingdom and domain, and if you look at Christian churches today, there is no revival. There is no revival, no heart for the Lord. Even those involved in uprisings, you would see that they do an ecumenical meeting with those of wrong doctrine, with those who mingle themselves with the world. So we see that there is no revival in our world. No matter how many people might try to change the world. You can't do it without the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Man at his own best is altogether vanity. But I believe that there can be revival in our local community. And I believe that there can be revival within our local church. And more importantly, individually, you. Yeah. A revival starts with you and then affects the group around you. It can affect the church and even the local community surrounding you. I even go as so far as to say that you can even change a whole city. That can be very possible, despite of the system within our governments, that we can reach that far, but I don't believe it will be the whole world. But I strongly believe in local revival, because had it not, uh, had it not been one person that started in the Bay Area, then we would not have enjoyed a revival, right? So see, it is possible through one individual. I knew what it was like to have nothing, to start out as nothing, and to be a person who was extremely young and to start out of service in a dinky little room. And no one would come to a church like that. Well, God proved me wrong, has he not? We came a long ways, and that happens from a mere individual, and a mere woman can change all of history if she pleases the king. if. She finds favor if she does right by Him. I hope the sermon will motivate you today. The title of my message today is History Changed by a Mere Woman. God, my Father, fill within me power, Holy Spirit unction, all your filling and your anointing. You have everything, Father, and I pray that your word will not return void as your word has promised that it must bring forth fruit. And I pray that you'll convict And change people's hearts for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right then. Uh, We're going to look at the first point at verse 7 through 8. In verses 7. For some of you who don't know, Haman, he told King Ahasuerus, hey, we're going to kill all the Jews, and they put it into law. And Persian law is irreversible. It is impossible to break. All right, so I trust that I'm recording now. So in verse 7 through 8, my first point is impossibilities would be reversed. Haman made Uh, The Persian law and the decree that the Jews would be exterminated and Persian law, it was impossible to reverse it. But guess what? The impossibility was reversed. Why? The Lord was in it. And I believe that because Esther followed the if part at verse 5. It all came down to if. If this, if this, and if this, then what? The impossible can become possible. Shouldn't she know that it's impossible That to reverse the law for her people, but she believed in the power of God. You can reverse the impossible today. No matter how uh, defeating it is to plant a church in this wicked Bay Bay Area, you can tell me that I can't win a soul and you can tell me that people will reject me and some people and even my enemies online, they will say, I don't want to plant a church over there. I don't know why you would plant a church over there and I would go someplace else and etc. But you've seen how God would make the impossible possible, how the online world will still have me up and how I still survive, and how our church survives, and how we're able to street preach and win souls, nevertheless, God can reverse the impossible to something possible with this question, if, what if all of God's people here prayed? What if, just if, what if all? Of God's people prayed. In James chapter 5, verse 16 through 18, it says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much to the point that Elijah was able to stop the rain through his prayers. That's what the verse points out. I mean, imagine a prayer that can actually stop the rain. That's something impossible that becomes possible through the power of prayer. you got to realize fervent prayer. That's what the verse says, a fervent prayer of a person, availeth much. You know what makes the impossible possible into growing the size of this church? Prayer. You know what makes the impossible possible through that loved one that you want to see get saved and will never get saved? Prayer. If you want to see the impossible possible of how we can be able to somehow get a $2 million church building one day if the Lord can ever do such means while supporting 12 to 50 missionaries and ministries by the grace of God, the impossible turns out to be possible through prayer. Prayer. And it's all done through the power of prayer that we lived and survived. When I preached this sermon, I was in that dinky little room. I was the person that had small numbers. I was a nobody in the online world. And I was young and alone. But guess what? The sermon proved to be true several years later. And I can preach this message with more conviction because I believed and I have witnessed His power. And it's through effectual fervent prayer, prayer that the Lord can change the impossible. If one kid asked you to buy him a candy and you said no to him, that the same kid keeps bugging you every day, and you're going to get nagged and you're going to get bothered. But what's even worse is if a whole bunch of kids started to beg you and to bug you about buying the candy, what's going to happen is because it bothers you so much you can't take it anymore and you're going to give the kid the candy. Now, if one Christian kept nagging the Lord through prayer, Lord, save that soul from hell. Lord, bring more people to church. Lord, change the situation in my life. Lord, convict the brother and sister. Lord, bring them back to church. Lord, do something great with our church and kept nagging the Lord. And then the Lord, it seems like that... The heaven is brass and the earth is iron and it seemed like there was a no answer and there was no answer from the Lord but you kept bugging him and bugging him because you're the kid and he's your father and you kept bugging him and bugging him and not only that, this person start to get other people to team up with him in the church and say, let's hold an all night prayer meeting and let's bug the Lord saying, Lord, fill within the church the power of your Holy Spirit and we cannot leave this place until you move and intervene and move like thunder and then God hears a whole bunch of kids nagging on his knees God bring your power then the impossible can turn into something possible Amen. Amen, brother. That's good. Yeah. I'll tell you what will shake up this whole city when what if all of God's people here prayed I'll, I guarantee you this, you'll see a change next week. If every single one of you started praying like you should and then prayed for the Lord to change something impossible into something possible, let's come back to church next week and see what happens. Yeah, that's good. That's good. What if all of God's people here humbled themselves? Okay. If you humbled yourself and and put down your pride, do you not realize that there is so much pride power behind humility. Some of you don't realize that. Luke chapter 14 verse 11 says, For whosoever exalteth himself shall be evased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. 1 Peter 5 6 says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. You notice here that God, he lifts up, he elevates, he empowers people, those who keep putting themselves down. Now, the problem is, is that all God sees in this church are proud Christians. You might say, why? Being a proud Christian does not necessarily mean that you're a show-off and that you uh, want people to talk about you and it's all about me, me, me. No, we're talking about humility here, not pride. People don't like to be humbled. You know what that means? That means you feel bad. We have Christians who are not willing to take the low numbers in church. We have Christians who are not willing to take the lowly criticisms from out on the streets when you witness the gospel or from their loved ones and family members when they try to witness to them. We have Christians who are not willing to take the low results, small number of subscribers and views and uh, amount of souls saved. We have Christians who are not willing to take the lowly discouragements where people put you down, where the people come to church and they leave you, where no one encourages you, where fellow Christians even fail you and put you down. You're not willing to go through those lowly discouragements. You're not willing to go through the lowly positions. God did not call you to become a great preacher and speaker. He called you to just sit on that chair and to come to church and to encourage somebody and pray for somebody. He called you to be the person to mop the floor, to clean the toilet, to be the one to welcome people to church. He called you to do lowly positions. And because we have people who are not willing to take the lowly positions, why? it's too debasing for them it's embarrassing it's shameful they're scared of the lowly position and it's because of those things God cannot empower the church and when you lose the power of God don't expect that God can change the impossible to something possible A lot of times he'll answer the prayer, change the possible, uh, the impossible to possible once he sees you go through that trial and that humility and that self-reflection and sees you repent and get right with God and you're willing to surrender all on the altar and be that lowly ox that is butchered on the altar as a living sacrifice and say, God, whatever lowly thing I go through, I am willing and God will empower that individual. If God, if God finally sees every single one of you humbling yourself, willing to take all the lowliness, willing to take all the bottom, then he's going to say, finally, I found a church. Finally, I found a church that's willing to go through humility for me. Finally, I can exalt you. That verse says he can only exalt when you're humble. Do you want God to put this church on another level finally? Raise the numbers a bit more. Raise the soul winning. Raise the Holy Spirit power of God. Raise it. Then you need to go low. And then God will put you up. And God will go, finally there is a church who is willing to become lowly humble for me. That's the church I'm going to mightily use. Hey, Holy Spirit, get down there and thunder up that church and bring my power to them. Why? When he sees a church on their knees, on the ground, humble, not one that goes like this and says I'm right all the time. What if all of God's people here bore their marks proudly to the world for God's own name? What if that happened? Can you imagine how the impossible can be reversed into something possible? 2 Corinthians 12, 9, a famous verse, He said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You cannot powerfully make the impossible possible, In the world, if you don't suffer, if you always live comfortable and you have your plans laid out and you want everything to go smooth, and then if you don't go through any suffering, God will never powerfully use you. Never, ever. Just like he'll never, ever use a person who refuses humility, he'll do the same to those who refuse suffering. So when you go through suffering, do you despise it or do you embrace it? You should embrace it because that's your chance where God is giving you power. Don't you want the power of God where God can change impossible things that you never dreamed of, that you never thought can occur, and he'll reverse it. And change it, but it requires blood, it requires sweat, it requires sacrifice because great blessing from on high cannot come without great price. Your church and your life will remain boring and dead. I guarantee you, people who are living comfortable lives, you got a boring testimony, and I don't want to hear from you. But those who went through the down, the fire, the trial, sacrifices, lost children, family members, struggle, poverty and hurt, their testimony will go hours long. You know why? There's power behind the pain that the Lord can use mightily for His glory and honor. Didn't the sufferings of William Carey, how did he become the father of missions himself? It's because he went through suffering. He lived his life. Most of his life with a wife that was mentally insane, that even tried to injure him violently. And that all the people, he was the first missionary out there. And then everyone made fun of him and told him, no, the Lord will save them at his own time. You don't need to go out there. So by his own fellow Christians, he was called out. But... Through those sufferings, he became the father of missions. Adoniram Judson became the father of American missions. Why? Because his family went through suffering. He went through three marriages, and it's not because of divorce, it's because two of his wives died, and then he lost several of his children. He suffered torture and imprisonment for months long in Burmese prisons. But it's through that that he became the father of American missions. It's through that he got headhunters converted. Why? Power behind suffering. But is it not most of all the, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ when He bore the marks proudly for you and I and He will not erase those nail marks and He will proudly show off to the world. You know what this is? Power! Power! And there is power in the cross. There is power in the blood. There is power in suffering. Power in pain. And if Jesus Christ, His power of love was manifested behind pain and suffering, why not you? And you can bear a little bit of a mark for Jesus Christ. And let there be power flowing in your very veins when you bear a mark for His name's sake. My second point is immensities would be reached. Immensities would be reached. Oh, so many prayer requests Wednesday night. So many people suffering. Good. The Lord is moving. The Lord says, I'm going to use these people. This person, that person, that person. They've been too comfortable in the world. It's about time they put their feet in the fire of the altar and burn a little for me. I'm about to put my blessing on this altar sacrifice. Verse 13 through 14, notice immensities would be reached. Immensities would be reached. If you look at verse 13 through 14, the commandment went throughout all the world, throughout all the provinces of the lands. So many people, a large number, were reached. If, if, you please the king, if you found favor in his sight, then you would reach large numbers. Large numbers would be reached. My question to you is what if all of God's people here dusted <clears throat> the rust off their swords and They started to rev up for the name of Jesus Christ. Your sword is getting rusty because you haven't used it at all and because it's just collecting dirt and you haven't picked it up. Isn't it about time that you awoke out of your sleep, bless God, and took out your swords for His name? Ephesians 5.14 says, Wherefore He saith, Awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Imagine, imagine just one more Christian. One more Christian who wasn't dead, but very lively and active. Just one more Christian who prayed daily. One more Christian who went out soul winning for one hour. Just one more Christian who attended every church service. And just one more Christian to give out an amen. Just one more Christian to sing with his whole heart. Just one more Christian to cry to God for a burden that we need revival, Lord Jesus. For one more Christian to repent on the altar, then what? At the very least, one more fruit will be produced from our church. Not our current fruits now, just one more one more but imagine if just one, at the very least just one if all of God's people here were to pray daily if all of God's people here went out soul winning for an hour, if all of God's people here attended every meeting and service if all of God's people here gave out an amen. If all of God's people here sang with their whole heart, if all of God's people cried to God for revival with a heavy burden, if all of God's people here repented on the altar and got right with the Lord, then the fruit will pile higher on the basket. What if? Oh, think how many more souls can get saved. How many more people in this church can get fired up. How many more members can come to this church. And how much more work can be done. You think that we've done so much for the Lord. Guess what? This is not everybody. And if you had everybody, you've seen nothing yet. What if all of God's people here produced leaders and volunteered with new ideas, what would happen? Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8 says, Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. This passage shows that there's a person who was not content in just being a bench warmer in the church. Your purpose in church is not to warm up somebody's chair that you're sitting. Alright? That's not your purpose. You're not a bench warmer. There's a, in this verse, this person says, I'll take it, Father. I'll take charge. I'll do it for you. Here am I. Send me. If we had a person, imagine if there was people here who did not just sit down, but said, I'll do something. I'll do something, Lord. Pastor, I want to get involved in something. Hey, here's a new idea what we can do. Why are you also dependent on the pastor? You know what that is? Dependent on one person to pray, one person to be filled, one person to develop wisdom, one person to develop new ideas. What if we had 10 more and 20 more and all of God's people in here? Do you realize that we would shake up this city? If every, I strongly believe, if every saved Christian in this city did their part for the Lord, we would change this whole county. But the problem is, the reason why we fell into apostasy simple, you're not doing anything about it. You know, but if all of God's people started to win one soul to salvation, just one, and then did something and got involved, do you know what would happen? We'd probably uh, we'd probably have a billionaire church building by now in this community, if all of God's people got involved. If all of God's people got involved, we would probably convert the whole world ten times over to salvation. There was once a man who was not content in being a bench warmer in the church. He had no talent to be a missionary. But all he had was a burden for souls. But he was extremely shy and he was not good in giving the gospel. So what did he do? He did not, he wasn't content. He wanted to do something for the Lord. So what did he do? He started to create little tracks, and all he had was a kitchen table and he pulled out $800 from credit union. And through that... He just made these little tracks and then did his best for the Lord to try to win a soul. And bookstore after bookstore rejected him, saying, no, we don't want that. You're too divisive. You're not loving. And because of that, he had so much discouragement. But he kept going on. And what the Lord did was the Lord increased his ministry instead, not the bookstore. What happened is that he literally literally had hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of souls saved. Is such a feat possible? Yes, because the Smithsonian Institute requested his work on display and called him the world's most published author. His name was Jack Chick, author of those comic Chick tracks. Why? Because he was not content in just being like you. I don't have talent. I can't preach. I can't teach. So did Jack Chick. Uh, what the, look how the Lord used him. Yeah. Amen. Look how the Lord used him. One man, literally, if it weren't for that one man, that one man who said, here am I, send me, literally thousands would be burning in hell right now. Literally thousands. But he, produ- he volunteered and said, I have an idea what I could do for the Lord. What if there was a a person who said, I have an idea. Let me open up my home for fellowship. I have an idea. Let me give a lot of money to the church and help out with this particular missionary. I have an idea. Why don't I uh, make sure and follow up with everybody and make sure that they come to church and do it for the pastor? I have an idea. Pastor, he can't preach and teach all the time. I'll be willing to do it for you. I have an idea. Why don't we uh, come out to street preaching visitation? I have an idea. I'm not content with this one street corner. There's too many of us. Why don't you send us to a different place, Pastor? I have an idea. Let's not just wait for visitation on one day. Pastor, let's do it every single day because I'll go and the other person says, I'll go and I'll go and I'll go and I'll go. And if every single person in this room said in Isaiah 6:8, Here am I, send me. We would change things and more numbers would be reached. What if all of God's people here vouched that Satan will not damn one more soul to hell? What if we don't let one soul slip by us? What if all of God's people here had that determination? Amen. Mark 16:15 says, "Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every every creature." George Schilling, he constantly passed out Gospels of John to everyone at the National Guard camp. And then there was a jazz band leader. His name was Jack. He took the Gospel of John, but once he saw St. John, he tore it up and he didn't want to read it. But George Schilling did not give on Jack and he kept passing out the materials and kept witnessing to Jack. Others cursed at him while Schilling would bow in prayer and read his Bible at the National Guard camp. But he would not give up on that one soul. Jack cried out, This man, he's going to forget his religion in an army camp. Watch. He's not going to live out a little longer. But Schilling did not quit. And he kept inviting Jack to play the trombone at the YMCA. When Jack did that, he heard the preaching at the YMCA he left home mad and convicted. While lying on the bed, he got under conviction and received the Lord Jesus Christ for his salvation. You know who George Schilling led? It was Jack Wirtson, the famous preacher who led thousands to salvation around the world and the founder of Word of Life Ministries. Why? Because Schilling said that one soul... I'm not going to let slip by. I'm going to keep praying for that one soul in my prayer list. I'm not going to let that person pass by me when I give out that track. I ain't going to slip one visitation or one street preaching. I'm going to do what I can to make sure that not one soul drops into the flames of hell. You know what you can lead? It could be a Jack Wordson. If everyone here did that, Lord, not one soul. Not one soul. Do you not realize that Santa Clara would have been reached by now? Do you not realize that we would have reached all of Silicon Valley and moved to San Francisco Bay Area? Do you not realize that we would have to go north after that? Do you not realize that we would probably reach all of half of California? What if everyone got involved in making sure they had tracks in their pockets, Make sure they kept emptying track after track every single time on that table. We kept ordering boxes and boxes, years in and years out. If every person prayed for the soul, if every person got involved in street preaching, visitation, if every person got involved in per- personal witnessing, if every person vouched that, not one soul Lord, not one soul Lord, I'm going to make sure that they receive the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ oh how many numbers would be reached Amen, brother. was it not just two or three people that the numbers in our souls go up a month yeah. if all of God's people then it would change my third point is improvements would be revealed improvements would be revealed look at verse 17 verse 17 if you look at that passage, a whole new improvement. The people converted, converted to the faith. <laughs> they got saved, they got right with the Lord. Wow, that's amazing. Why? If, if they followed the if, then you can change everything. What if all of God's people here turned from their sins? What would happen? What kind of huge improvement would occur? Deuteronomy 11, verse 26 through 28 says, Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. A blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day, and a curse if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God. That verse shows that God puts you be- before you a blessing and a curse. You will be blessed. It's simple. You follow the Lord, He'll bless you. But if you don't obey the Lord and you sin, curse. How discouraging it is with little improvement in our work. It is tiring. It is discouraging. A lot of times it could be the Lord testing you, but a lot of the times you may be surprised it's because of you, your sin. You're the issue and not God. And it's not a test or a trial or the devil getting on your back. You're just the problem. And that's the reason why that there's a curse. And that's the reason why there's no blessing and very little improvement. If everyone here, think about this now, if everyone here got rid of their worldly entertainment, their worldly dressing, drinking, gambling, smoking, sexuality, sexual sins, and then the wrong thoughts, and then the lack of Bible reading and prayer, and whatever sin that you're messing around with and uh, hiding, imagine if every single person became a clean vessel, Do you think the Holy Spirit can find more room to use? Do you think that there would be improvement in the church? Do you think that there will never be an empty seat? Do you think that there will always be tracks emptied out? Do you think that there can be so much more that can be done? Do you think that prayer requests will get answered more, you think? Turn from your sin. Get right with God. Imagine if all of God's people here turned from their evil ways and became clean vessels for the Lord. How is it not possible that the Lord will fill and use that vessel a bit more? You know, every time He fills the vessel, that you don't get the filling of the Spirit, no power in your life, because that vessel has a crack on it and that filling just spills out of you and it cannot fill you. But if every vessel filled out their cracks and became a perfect vessel, how much more can the Lord fill that vessel? And then He'll have to find other vessels to fill. What if all of God's people here stood on His promises and rejoice no matter what hell threw at them. You know what would happen? Psalms 119:14 says I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. That's so amazing is that God's testimonies and things that he's given to you has so much riches and that's why David can rejoice. Look, if you're not the happiest person in the world, then let me tell you something, you're not right with God. Can I make that simple? If you're not the happiest person in the world, you're not right with God. You, sh- you might say, well, why should I be the happiest person in the world? It doesn't make sense. Because of all the riches God has given to you. I mean, shouldn't you be thrilled and happy when God says that I saved your soul from hell? Amen. That I have an eternity to pay you back. That no matter what sin you commit in the future, I got you covered that I will provide your needs, so don't worry about that. That no matter what bad thing or slip-up you make, that all things will work together for good. How can you not be happy after that? That when the devil throws his attacks at you, the world throws their attack at you, and the flesh throws its attacks at you, how can you not be happy that the Lord says, I will give you power, I will protect you? How can you not be happy after that? Can you not think about even the physical riches that the Lord has even blessed you with? How can you not be happy with what God has given to you? You know why? You're not standing on his promises. And if you just stood upon his promises, how much more happy you would be. You know why you're sad? All you keep thinking about is sadness. Switch the thought. Think about, man, I'm so glad that I eat this food. I'm so glad that God has blessed me with this. I'm so glad that God's going to plan out this way. I'm so glad that I have this stuff in my home. I'm so glad that I can take a break after this. I'm so glad that God has been good to me. And if you were to count your blessings and stand upon it then your mood and thinking and expression will change. Yeah. Yeah. If you were to th- I mean imagine not just one person comes in with so much joy but every single person in yes. this church do you realize how much the church will improve? Yes. The atmosphere changes. And the newcomer that walks in says, "What is this?" Yes. Amen. What if all of God's people here stood on his promises and rejoiced no matter what? What if all of God's people here prayed? What if all of God's people here humbled themselves? What if all of God's people here bore their marks proudly to the world for the name of Jesus Christ? What if all of God's people here dusted the rust off their swords and started to rev up for the name of Jesus Christ and be alive? What if all of God's people here started to say, Here am I. I volunteer. Send me. Contribute the new idea. What if all of God's people here vouch Satan, you're not going to damn one more soul? What if all of God's people here turn from their evil ways? What if all of God's people here stood on his promises and rejoiced no matter how ill life would become? Then maybe, not even, not even. A guarantee, But just maybe we can finally see more people coming in, more prayers answered, the results just filling up list after list of how God blessed the church, of numbers increasing, of people getting right with the Lord, of a, of, of a happy infection that just spreads throughout the lands, and then it is impossible. It is absolutely impossible that such a church that did all these things that no one in the Bay Area would notice. It's going to catch attention. And they're going to watch you. The world will watch you. The devil will watch you. And the powers that be will watch you. And the lost people will watch you. And they're going to visit the church. And they're going to see, I heard such a ruckus. I heard so much about this place. I wonder what it is. And then when they walk in this place, they have never been into a place like this before. And they see a total change and a total power And for some weird reason, the Holy Spirit is tugging at their heart and convicting them. And somehow they experience something that they never experienced before in drugs or in the higher education world system. And then they just realize that, wow, there is something going on. They cannot walk away without witnessing the power of God. Just maybe we will get people in the entire San Francisco Bay Area When you knock on their door or when you mention about what church you're from, they're going to go, oh yeah, I know San Jose Bible Baptist Church. I received their tract. I know San Jose Bible Baptist Church. They prayed for me before. I know San Jose Bible Baptist Church. I visited before. I know someone who said they attended San Jose Bible Baptist Church. Person changed my life. San Jose Bible Baptist Church changed my life. What if, what if, what if all of God's people here prayed, humbled, witnessed, had a burden, volunteered, and said, here am I, send me, repented of their sins, got right with the Lord, revved up for the name of Jesus Christ. What if all people did that? Then the history of our church will not be exterminated. Satan wants to exterminate, attack, and destroy this church and he's not done because he's a destroyer and he wants to destroy this church. He wants to annihilate this church. But you know what? What if all of God's people here cried out to the king and surrendered their life to the king and pleased the king? It would change the history of San Jose Bible Baptist Church and let today, let today be the beginning Of that historic day where you, a mere woman, Queen Esther, went up before the king and said, What if I will do it, Father? Let today be the day on Mother's Day that would be the history that will change this church forever. Every head bow and every eye shut. You want to make history? Let's make history. Let's create history. What if all of God's people here prayed? What if all of God's people here got saved? What if all of God's people here got right with the Lord? What if all of God's people here surrendered their life to Him? What if all of God's people here witnessed? What if all of God's people here (laughs) repented of their sin? What if all of God's people said, Here am I. Send me. What if? You're going to change history. History does not come out without the actions of the people. That's how you create history. History is produced because of the actions of what people did, and it records it. Let's change our history today. We want to make sure every single person in this room is saved. If you're not saved, I'd like to ask you a question. If you're to die today, Are you 100% sure that you're saved? You might say, Pastor, I'm not 100% sure I'm saved and going to heaven. Today, let it be your historic day where you'll change your life from a child of the devil to a child of God. To be saved from hell. You might say, how do I get saved? Three easy steps. (laughs) First step is to realize that because you sinned, you're gonna burn in hell. You can't go to heaven. You're gonna burn in hell because of your sin. That's the first step. You might say, well, Pastor, that's pretty obvious, and I already know that. Great. Then, second step believe Jesus is God who died, buried, and resurrected to save you from your sin. The problem is, so many people know about it, but they don't really understand and truly believe. You might say, what do you mean by that, preacher? Do you know why Jesus died to begin with? He didn't have to do that. It's because, remember, point number one, you forgot. Your sin. Your sin puts you to hell. We have to get rid of that sin so that you can go to heaven. Makes sense, right? But how are you going to get rid of that sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. That's why he died. See that? So his blood can wash away all your sin. You know what's so sad? So many people are thinking about, well, I have to clean up my sins so that I can go to heaven. I have to stop sinning. I have to live a good life. I have to be a good Christian. I have to keep the commandments, live by the golden rule, get baptized. My friend, see, you don't, you're not really trusting. You're not really believing on Jesus' blood to save you. All you do is head knowledge. You don't really believe that. If you really believed it, then you wouldn't, Say those things. You wouldn't rely on those works that you're doing to save you. You'd only rely on the blood of Jesus. You might say, well, pastor, this time I do. I only rely on that. Then the third step is to say it to God. That's it. The third step is to simply say that to God. You might say, well, pastor, I don't know how to say it to God. Can you help me out? Sure, I'll give you the words on how to say it to God and you can repeat after me. Uh, But remember that repeating a prayer don't save you. It's believing, truly believing on that blood of Jesus. You don't have to say it out loud, and I'm not going to point you out, and every head is bowed, and every eye is shut, and this is totally private and safe. It's all you. You can just say it to yourself, all right? You can repeat after me in this way to yourself. Dear God, I repent as a sinner, I believe Jesus is God who died, buried, and resurrected so His blood can wash away my sin. I'm only relying on the blood to save me, not my good works, not what I do. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. If you could bow your head and close your eyes just one last time, please, one last time. We'll be done. Just one more minute. Just one more minute and we'll finish. Thank you so much for your patience. We're done now. But just bow your head, close your eyes just one last time. So no one knows who you are. And every head is bowed and every eye is shut. If you say, preacher, I just repeated those words after you and I just got saved. Could you slip up your hand real briefly, real quick so that I can thank the Lord for you in closing prayer? Could you slip up your hand real quick? Did you just... Get saved today. Did you repeat those words after me? Can you slip up your hand real briefly, real quick? Anybody at all? And I'm not going to point out who you are, and it's totally private. Okay, thank you so much for your honesty. I trust that everyone is a saved believer. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father God, had it not been your son at the cross of Calvary, we would be lost and burning in hell. I would not be preaching today. History was literally changed. Because Jesus Christ took that if and died on the cross for my sake. And because he did that, it changed history for mankind. It changed my life forever. And I pray that this sermon will change people's lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Thank you so much, everybody.